Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey, hey, hey guys. It's another Sunday night. It's time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Dalvina Thomas, a board-certified psychiatrist in Miami and Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Every Sunday, I come at you with a new episode, and this Sunday night is no different. I have a new episode. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and you guys know for me, mental health awareness is every day, every day. Actually, on yesterday, myself and a, a couple of my um office teammates went with me to present to the Fort Lauderdale chapter of the 100 black men. Um, We presented to their local chapter, the Fort Lauderdale chapter, President Quinton. And uh, we just shared some information about our story, how we arrived to be where we are in our careers. And it was, it was a very good session. Um, The kids seemed to enjoy it. We enlightened them. It included my son, one of our therapists, Jamila Trimbo, as well as um, our other therapists, one of our other therapists, Coach Philip Wells, and also uh, one of our psychiatric nurse practitioners, Rochelle Boyd. So it was a very good session, I thought. Um, so if you know anyone who is a mentee in 100 Black Men, ask them about DRT Behavioral Services Brain Love. Um, I just want to also say, before we get into tonight's episode, we have to be careful out here. We are being targeted. We are being targeted, and I'll explain exactly what I mean, folks. So, guys, I was referring to a horrible incident that occurred on May 14th, 2022, just a week ago. A week ago, yesterday, a mass shooting occurred in Buffalo, New York at a grocery store called Tops Friendly Market Store. It's a supermarket in the Kingsley neighborhood on the eastern side of the city. Ten people were killed and three others were injured. Eleven, eleven, eleven of the 13 people murdered were black. These were black folks, man. Eleven people were black. And I'm sure some of you have seen the post on social media that um, was specifically about those who perished in this horrible act. I, I just can't even find the words to express what occurred. But um, a devilish act occurred that included a rifle that was used for the shooting And um, the person who sold the rifle to the devil who performed this act, the seller said that the person didn't stand out because if he did, he would have never sold him the gun. So on the rifle, he wrote the word nigger, N-I-G-G-E-R, in reference reparations, along with the names of white supremacist mass murderers, Dylan Roof, Robert Bowers, Brenton Tarrant, John Ernest, and created the acronym Sigaon S-Y-G-A-O-W-N Stop your genocide against our white nations 
So I don't want to go into uh, this too much, but just to say that I send my sincerest condolences to the families of these 11 people who were in, who were killed. It said 11. Somewhere else said 10 people were murdered. If it was 10 or 11, I'm sorry. My condolences go out to you. So it's 11 of the victims were black and three people were injured. My sincerest condolences go out to to the family members of these people. And I'm praying that justice will be served as I know it will. And I will dedicate a future episode to gun rights, mental illness, and, and gun laws. But I'll say this, this shooter did not have a mental illness. I don't believe this guy was an extremist. He uh, had a manifesto and he described himself as a white supremacist. And some people will say, well, if someone's an extremist or a supremacist, doesn't that make them mentally ill? No, it makes them evil. It makes them evil. It does not make them mentally ill to the point where they don't know what they're doing when they conduct one of these terrorist type acts. Because to be criminally insane or to be found not guilty because of a mental illness, you cannot know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. You are what we call incapacitated. You don't know right from wrong and you don't know or you are unable in your state to recognize any laws and to, to be able to make the right decision. So a white supremacist, an extremist, that does not mean the person is mentally ill. Okay. But let's move on to tonight's show. I'm talking with Miss Diane Randell. She is the CEO and the owner of a nonprofit corporation that she created in honor of her daughter and it's called Cala Cares. So I want you guys to listen to this interview as Miss Randell and I, as we go into the details of her daughter's death, which occurred by her daughter's own hands. May this, this young queen, may she rest in peace. May she rest in peace. Um, unfortunately, this lady, uh, this young lady, um, committed suicide and Miss Randell wants to share her story with all of us so that we can help the next person. And Miss Randell will give you also the information for her contacts and how to find her. So that way, if you know someone or if you yourself is suffering and you want to reach out to her or to my office, you can. So, guys, are you ready to take the couch? So, hey, 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 guys. Of course, I just told you I have a uh, very special guest on the couch with me tonight. Uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, as everyone should know and probably knows by now. We are well into May, and May is that time of month when providers, mental health experts, mental health professionals, um, coaches, and people in the realm of mental health and wellness and advocates, this is a month when we really go hard and we begin to advocate for mental health and wellness, so we talk about several different topics. Tonight on the couch with me, I have Ms. Diane Randell. She is the CEO and the founder of Cala Cares Suicide Prevention Corporation. Welcome on the couch, Ms. Randell. Hi, how are you? Oh, I am ecstatic to have you here because, um, you know, I know I've heard part of, I've heard your story, not part of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited that you are comfortable coming on the couch and sharing with my listeners what you've been um, with you, what you've been challenged with during the last few years. 
Thank you oh, for absolutely. doing this. Thank you for having me, Dr. Thomas. Absolutely. I think it's important that we let people know, you know, that mental health and wellness is definitely very important in our daily lives. So thank you so much for having me on. It is not a problem at all. I, um, I appreciate your candor and I know that you're going to um, just be forthcoming with the information that you share and people need to to hear these things. This is how we learn about certain situations and challenges. And I know that some of the listeners, some of them have probably gone through the same scenario. Um, and there's, there's, a diff there's different scenarios here. You know, maybe folks have felt suicidal in the past. Mm -hmm. Someone may have tried to hurt themselves in the past. Mm -hmm. Someone may be a family member of, or a loved one of someone who actually committed suicide. And that's what we're talking about tonight, guys. We're talking about suicide awareness, suicide prevention. And before we jump into that, Ms. Randell, if you would please start where you would like and share your story about uh, Cala Cares. Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, um, again, the, the way my organization was founded, um, my beautiful daughter, Nakela. Diane Lopez, um, she committed suicide on 4-24-2017. And um, when she did that, you know, it just, it, it, it just rocked my world, my family's world, my children's world, it rocked everyone's world. And so basically what that did is, is let me know that as a parent, you know, there are things that we miss. And the re what I really want to talk about, Dr. Thomas, is just the signs, because I know parents, you know, we have a lot going on, and I always, you know, preference that. We have so much going on, and, and, and we're good parents, you know, we're just busy parents. We're trying to provide, and in providing, sometimes we're just trying to provide the daily necessities, uh, you know, a roof, love, a shelter. So basically, we're so tasked with that, and we're so busy with our own lives, jobs, careers, and what have you, that, you know, in addition to, you know, being a provider and, and, and trying to be a parent, there's so many different components. So we miss, you know, maybe the daily signs and the daily signs are, you know, isolation. Maybe a child is, you know, withdrawn or, you know, quiet. And my daughter was quiet anyway, so it was very, very difficult to know that I knew she, you know, she was dealing with some things because we talked about it, but I didn't know to the level of what she was dealing with. So what I would encourage the listeners as parents to do is just pay more attention when a child is isolating or when they seem to be withdrawing, you know, just like, you know, be more present in their lives like you know talk to them make sure you 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 plan time to spend with your children we plan time for everything else make sure we you know you you plan time to actually spend with your kids because a lot of the signs we miss um and and they can be so preventable you know just the way that they dress um you know they don't want to be around people all of those are signs and they're so common you know, we don't want to be intrusive. So we just feel like, hey, they just don't want to be bothered today. And in actual gotcha. exactly. let, let me in, Let me interrupt you for one second. So before we generalize and give recommendations, 
-hmm. if you don't mind, if you could share the personal story of Kala, like how, how are you arriving at these recommendations of this is what you should do or what you shouldn't do? This is what you should look out for. Can you tell us the story of what happened with her? Yeah, it's, it's really difficult, but definitely my daughter and I, as Dr. Thomas knows, because she's heard my story, we were very, very close. My daughter was in an abusive relationship and she was dating an older person. Um, I love the person that she was dating. Let me just throw that out there. I love them both. And basically, um, I knew that my daughter was suffering because this person wanted her to, to do and be more than she could be. Nikayla has never been a mother. And this person that she was dating had children. Uh, they had experiences that my child never never um, had. Um, in fact, this person was actually married and divorced. So Kayla was just a young um, free-going spirit. So she never experienced those things. Um, you know, she would talk to me and say, um, Ma, I really love this person, but I don't think I'm living up to their expectations. And I would but tell Miss Randell, how old was Kayla when she got into this relationship with the person? Nikayla was um, 28 years old when she entered the relationship. The person was 37. So mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. baby was 27 years um, old. Um, you know, of course, you know, she was an adult, but she hadn't had these experiences. So right. they, the experience of, of, of marriage and, 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 you know, being a mother and all of those things that, that encompasses that. So basically right. she just was in love. She was being, she was being loving, but she was not, you know, I mean, she would do because she's just that type of person. But I think this person wanted my daughter to like step in to that role full force. And she just was not ready for it. And what they did was they would say things to her to belittle her, to make her feel like she was less than. And so I talked to my daughter and I told my daughter, nobody should be treating you like that. But what I did, Dr. Thomas, is I scheduled a meeting because I believe in handling things face on. Like I said, I loved her partner. So I wanted Uh to put that together. So, you know, everyone would be on the same page when we left that table. Um, Absolutely. And so it, that's exactly what I did. I, I talked to the person, I, you know, I listened to them as well. And I told them that my daughter is doing the best that she can in this relationship. And I think she's doing a great job. However, if you feel like she's not doing a great job, these are experiences that you have had. Perhaps you need to seek that in another mate because, you know, my daughter's doing the best that she can. And, and, and again, I'm guiding them both. So I'm guiding gotcha. them through things like, hey, you know, maybe you can do this or that, but it was just exhausting my daughter. So when I felt yeah, yeah. It, it was it, it exhausting her to the point that, you know, she just felt like she was like, she said, mm-hmm. um, I just don't feel like I can live up to these expectations. And I told her, you definitely, you don't have to, you don't have to. And so basically I talked to the both of them. I told them, listen, this isn't working. I think that you guys should remain friends. And that's about it. So they both agreed that it was, you know, they were just going to split and they were going to be friends. And I thought exactly that is exactly what they did. Well, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. How long into the relationship did that occur? Well, basically, Nikayla was being verbally abused and I found out she was even being physically abused. 
um, they started out when Kayla was 28 and it ended when she, she took her life when she was 29. So it was a year. Wow. And, and so my daughter was going through a lot and, and I, you know, your kids, my, my daughter has, we come from a huge family. And like I said before, you know, I'm very involved in my community way before my daughter passed away. So my daughter has biological aunties and she has, you know, aunties in the community that absolutely loved her. So she would get coaching from everyone because they just loved her because she's that type of person. So even if she couldn't come to me, she has cousins. She's, she has, you know, female cousins and they would even talk to her. So we were all talking to my daughter, but my daughter was just that much in love with this person that she started, you know, secretively seeing the person. And so, you know, um, I did my best to try to not be intrusive, but again, to, you know, just to remind her that love is not supposed to be toxic. It's supposed to fill you up, not deplete you. And when you find that you're in any situation with anyone and they keep um, making withdrawals without positive deposits, then it's time to just say, hey, you know, I need to get off this train. And unfortunately, um, that didn't happen. And let me go ahead and segue into, you know, the day that I got the call. Uh, you know, my daughter and I, we had a conversation um, you know, maybe like the night before, or we were always talking. And so the the horrible, uh, tragic thing about suicide is that it never prepares you. Um, cancer prepares you. Other illnesses prepares you that your loved one might be leaving you. But suicide, there is no preparation uh, phase at all. So again, on that day, um, I went about my daily routine and I just got a gut feeling because like I talked to my daughter during the day, but that day I didn't, we didn't talk, but it was around like what noon, noonish. I said, okay, you know, maybe she's busy. She'll call me later. Well, later never came Dr. Thomas. When I got a call at about, I think it was about, it was before 1 PM. I don't remember exactly, but I know it was before 1 PM in the daytime. And the call came from the, uh, the person's a member of their family. And I, didn't understand uh, what they were saying to me because I, I, at one point I thought that they were just laughing. And then I realized that, no, this is not laughter. It's, it's, you know, someone's crying. And so I knew because of, you know, getting the call from a, their family member, I knew that somehow something was wrong with my child. And so I said mm. to them, listen, I need to know where is my daughter? Where is Kayla? And they said, you need to get here right away. You need to get here right away. So in that moment, I knew something was terribly wrong. And I knew I couldn't drive. So I called one of my friends, which is an officer in our community. And she says, sure. I said, something's wrong with Kayla. She says, I'll be right there. And so she came and picked me up. We went to the location. And when I got to the location, there was a yellow tape. Wow. And um, there was a yellow tarp. Mm. So, um, you know, when we see that, again, we know that there's something terribly, you know, we know it's fatal. So, yeah. uh, you know, I started making my way uh, uh, hysterically uh, through the tape and the officers were, they were trying to hold me back. And I was like, you know, 
I guess they felt like, you know, I was with an officer. So I guess she kind of, you know, told them, hey, you know, we got to mm-hmm. get through here. So I yeah. was, I, I managed to get through. And God knows when I got to my child's body with that tarp on top of it, I lost it, Dr. Thomas. I absolutely lost it. I had an out-of-body experience. I've never felt that excruciating pain, um, a pain like that ever in my life, ever, ever in my life. And um, so basically I saw my child with a bullet head, a, a bullet in her head. And no mom ever prepares or no parent ever prepares to bury their child. We always prepare for our kids to bury us. And and, um, let me just tell you, that shocked my entire family. That that changed me. It did something to me. I was so broken and beaten up for years. But what I knew, knew that I had to do is to keep my baby alive. And how was I going to do that? Like, I'm like, oh, God, I felt as if I felt my baby. Um, I have family members. And, you know, even you tell me, that's not the case, Diane. You did not fail your child. Um, Again, I was, you know, I was very involved in my kids' lives in the day-to-day. And so what I started this organization to do is to say that if I could be so present and this happened to me, I want to make other people aware so it doesn't happen to them. And in me doing so, this is another means or measure to keep my daughter's legacy alive because I plan for Kayla to be alive long after I'm gone. And and, and my purpose, I'm channeling my pain into purpose. And this is how this foundation was started. I want to help as many children, as many people suffering with depression and anxiety in our community as I can. And so that is how this all came to be. Man, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for you digging so deep and recalling those traumatizing memories that you have of finding your daughter in in that way. you know, there's so many layers of, of sadness here. Absolutely. And the layers, yeah. And the there, layers are oh, complicated by, yeah. I'm sorry, say that again, Ms. Rendell. There's guilt, you know, yeah. um, it's a lot of guilt, um, Dr. Thomas. And mm-hmm. again, as a parent, as a mom, I mean, I'm not taking anything from dads, but we carry the babies for nine months. So from the moment we find out that we have this this human being in us, we began to take care of it from the stages, Mm -hmm. from from the womb to birth and then throughout life, you know. And so, um, like I said, it has been it has been a journey. Um, There was a time, Dr. Thomas, when I couldn't bathe. I didn't want to bathe. I didn't want to eat. I didn't care. And not because I couldn't. So it, it helped me to understand, again, what my daughter might have been going through when I went through the depression of losing her. 
I understood depression firsthand because I had never dealt with depression, dealt with anxiety. So losing my baby the way that I did, I began to feel these emotions. And so it gave me a level of understanding and, and fighting my way out of that hole. You know, it was, it was, it was very, very, I was in a very dark place, but I knew I had to get out because I had two children that I, and, and let me just step back. My other daughters did not know how bad I was suffering because I couldn't let them see me like that because I was in fear that if they saw me like that, they would spiral <laughs> out of control. So I yeah. had to keep mine hidden. I had to, you know, I had to keep mine contained, but I was like spiraling out of control on the inside. So yeah, that part. Yeah, very tough. Um, and so, you know, when someone passes because of taking their own life, the family is left to, to try to pick up those pieces and put them back together and understand something that's not meant to be understood, right? Correct. It's very difficult to, to try to piece together a story when the main or the integral person is not there to Correct. help fill in those gaps. Right. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, you and I have spoken previously about this, and I always tell you, it has nothing to do with you. It is not your fault. You were um, a phenomenal mother to all of your children. Thank including you. To Kayla, very there for her, very supportive. Um, and so, and that's what I want listeners to understand, too, is that when someone chooses uh to end their life story in this manner this is really their own personal choice and it's something that they've chosen to do because yeah. they feel like it's their only option and I feel like people are are insane when this happens because it really does take losing connection with reality and really totally disregarding everything in your life that you love yeah. that you that you adore mm. in order to make the mm. move and execute such a plan mm. to take your own life. Mm. You know, it takes a lot of courage and fortitude to, for a person to attempt to kill themselves, but yet to do it in a way where it's fatal. Yeah. Um, mm. And as you described, your daughter uh, died from a gunshot wound mm. that was self-inflicted. Um, and so, you know, and, and not to, uh, you know me, I'm not trying to tear open wounds, and but mm. this is something that you will, will forever always have to process. Absolutely. Um, and Daily. Yeah, Daily. It, it, yeah, it will, it will never, the wound will never heal completely and just go away and just totally um, and, and resolve. You'll, you'll be able to find some sort of peace in knowing that you I've won't get your it. daughter back. Exactly. Say again, I I have accepted that Kayla is never coming back. Um, mm -hmm. From 2017 to about when we went into COVID, 2020, when we shut down for COVID, it was probably the best thing that happened to me and maybe not the world, but for me it was because it allowed me to go ahead and say, because I had always wanted to, you know, create a foundation in her memory. But when COVID hit, it, gave, it allowed me 
to, you know, um, work from home. Um, you know, I have a great career, but it allowed me in addition to, you know, keep the ball rolling with my career to do something that I promised myself that I would do. And this was to start my foundation, my nonprofit. And in doing this, Dr. Thomas, this is what actually, you know, uh, this is what actually put the put back the win um, beneath my feet, if you will. It, it kind of like blew life back into me, like starting this organization. And, you know, I've, okay. in starting my organization, I am so busy and okay. busy doing something that I absolutely love to do. And I love, I am a people's, pers people's person anyway. I enjoy helping people, but more importantly, I love, you, you know, the young people and the young people gravitate to me too. And so basically okay. in, in me starting my foundation, I go out and speak to, you know, to so many, I speak at municipalities, churches, schools, and the love and my curriculum in the manner in which I deliver my information is just the, you know, just the results that I've seen. I take my surveys. So I have measurable metrics, you know, metrics to measure if, if I'm being effective. And so, you know, the feedback that I'm getting, you know, it's helping people. And I can't help everyone. And let me just put this out here. I am not a, a medical doctor. I'm a crisis intervention coach, but it just, in, in me helping others, it has helped me. And that's mm -hmm. exactly, um, and I have to give this to my Lord and Savior because my Lord and Savior told me time and time again, he would wake me up and he said, you asked me to get you through this and I'm going to get you through this, but this is how you're going to do it. You're going to start this foundation and you're going to tell everybody your story. And in you telling your story, you're going to be helping other people understand that, hey, they're not alone. And that is my message. We all feel like when something happens to us, it's just us. And that is yeah. absolutely not the case. There are right. millions and millions and millions of people that, you know, have had to endure this. And just one more thing, Dr. Thomas. In our community, sure. we are so prone, you know, when it happens to the celebrities, you know, everybody gets on board. Oh, the celebrities. And as I mentioned, um, you know, when we were on another podcast, I mentioned uh -huh. the young lady, Chesley. Her name is Chesley Chris. Everybody uh -huh. knows her as Miss USA. Uh -huh. uh, again, this is in my curriculum when I present, I present to my, my kids. I tell them that Chesley to us, you know, to the onlookers, it looked like she had everything to live for. She was gorgeous. She was, she was, you know, she was smart. Um, you know, she was famous. She had it all. She was, she was just a beautiful person. And every time you saw her, she was smiling and she, you know, she was like the life of the party. But again, we were so surprised because she was, you know, suffering or being tormented mentally she, she, you know, she was, she didn't feel good. And so again, you know, um, she plunged 60 stories. So that lets us know that mental illness is real. And in the black community, we don't talk about it enough because we're always taught to pray everything out. And yeah, we can pray on some things, but there are some things that we just can't pray out. We may need, 
you know, more, how do you say, um, something more. It may be uh -huh. medical. It, yeah, it, it may be medical. We may need something. It may be a chemical imbalance. Um, so starting to identify these things can let us begin to help our loved ones who's suffering, our coworkers, our children, or whoever that may be in our lives. We can begin to help them if we only understand how to identify the signs. And yes, yes, yes. So amen to all of that. Um, before we go into the signs, I, I want to ask you mm -hmm. um, specifically regarding the situation, if you felt like there were signs there with, with Kayla, or okay. if this was just so um, unexpected that, or when you look back on it, do you say to yourself, my, is this why she was, I don't know if she was doing this or not, but oftentimes people give away things. They start creating a will. They start talking oh, about this. Baby. Yeah, no, my baby situation was so totally different. That's why it's so heartbreaking mm -hmm. to everyone that knows Kayla. This is yes. so heartbreaking and, and and I'm sorry but I tear up every time don't she be sorry not, she yes, was not sorry. that person my daughter was thriving she was Kayla was not that person and that's the reason why it hurts everybody so much because if there was signs Dr. Thomas other than you know she was she was in love she was gotcha. in love with, with the so, wrong person so, so just so the listeners have an understanding, when you say she wasn't that person, you mean that she wasn't someone who was suffering day in and day out with sadness or talking Correct. about not wanting to live, talking exactly. about not wanting to yes. be there. So exactly. up, up until yes. the point of having the challenges in the relationship, your Correct. daughter was a very happy, content, bubbly young lady. Yes, my daughter was that person. Like I said, let me just step back and say that person. Okay, we all go through things. We all are suffering with something. There are days, Dr. Thomas, when I don't want to be bothered. But that doesn't mean that I want to harm myself or others. We all go through those emotions. Um, again, I knew my daughter was in a toxic relationship. That I knew. I did not know to the extent that she was suffering from being in such a relationship like that. Um, I did talk to my daughter. I showed up for my daughters, meaning that I was present. However, when you, like for, for, for my child, and I can only speak for my child, and, but I can also speak from the depression that I suffered. So it's a two for one, because I went through a very dark depression, anxiety, in fact, after Kayla died, I got diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Till this day, I still suffer with the anxiety. So again, you know, there are other others that, like I said, that are maybe suffering with depression, anxiety, or maybe they have a chemical imbalance. My role in my nonprofit is to come together in my survivor's room, just like you and I are on a podcast. And we get together and I, I invite different people from all walks of lives. Um, if you've lost someone to suicide, we have a suicide night. And then we just have a night where we talk about, you know, just losing a loved one. You got, Maybe they lost a loved one to an accident. But basically, my foundation is for people 
that have, you know, that have suicidal thoughts or that may want to hurt themselves. So basically I, the prevention or the crisis intervention piece is to walk them through, you know, like to walk them through these emotions and to channel those emotions into positive uh, emotions, you know, helping them create what is what do we call them and it's right in front of me now i'm going to get this little um vision boards to create a vision board and we have these affirmations and we talk about all these different things so you know and and a lot of meditation you know just a just a lot of different simple things that people think that it has to be something complex no it's the simplicity that's when people open up and my job is to open them up to get them talking, to get them feeling really comfortable. So we can really go ahead and delve deep into some of these emotions that they're having and just talk it out. And more importantly, let them know you're not alone. We're all going through something, but the end result won't be them wanting, wanting to, to vote to take their lives. And so that is my mission. I can't save everybody, but if I save one then I'm, you know, then I'm happy, I, you know, which I know it's more than that, but my job is to just bring upon a change in our community about the way we think about, you know, a mental illness, suicide, or any, any of those taboo subjects as it relates to us feeling like, you know, we're weak, we're not enough. We're definitely enough. We're everything that we need to be right here, right now. We're enough in this present moment. And that's what I tell my audience, you are where you are supposed to be right in this very moment. Don't worry about five minutes. Let's worry about now. Don't worry about tomorrow. Let's worry about now and let's just get through this. And so I take a very, very simplistic, holistic approach to my um, counseling, to my audiences. Mm, don't know what happened. Are you there, Dr. Thomas?
Hello. Hmm.
Hello? Hello? Wrong number. Hello. Hey, Miss Rendell. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I was typing to you. <laughs> yeah, I sent you an email. The, for some reason, the connection went out. Okay. I don't know if it's, they're doing a lot of work. Uh huh. With, um, Let me, because yeah, it was just flowing so well. Yeah, it was flowing so I, well. Oh my God. And it was so authentic. And that's like, I, oh my God, it was such a good, because I was recording it. For me to even listen to myself, let me let me see. Um, yeah, it, everything. So I can just log off the call. Um, so I, I mean, you know, I had to Zoom. I had to stop it because it. Okay, it so let me just end it. The okay. Internet mm -hmm. connection drop. Oh. So, Miss Randell, um, regarding Kayla. Um, I know we kind of, we touched on this a little bit, but um, I just want to tease this out even more. Mm -hmm. uh, when I guess maybe during the last month or during the last two weeks preceding her untimely death, was there anything different about her that you could see that you could appreciate? Was she saying anything to you like that she felt tired or um, that she just things weren't worth it anymore. Was she still her usual bubbly self? Well, well, there's two folds to that. Around me, she put on her game face, and what I mean by that, around me, um, as, as I said, um, you know, I had talked to my daughter and the person that she was involved with. So, to me, I felt like you know that that it, that relationship was ended so what i did i know that you know just because you end a relationship uh love is not like a light switch you don't turn it on and off so even if you end something you still are in love so i knew that and so around me my daughter put on her game face she showed me that mom i'm strong you know um i got this um but then there were times when even though she said that 
her actions didn't match that. And so as a mom, I tried to give her extra care. I tried to do things with her, take her out because I know when you're depressed, you know, if you are inside, it it kind of just, um, it immobilizes you. So to get out in the sunshine and things like that, but to answer your question, uh, yes and no. Kayla hit it, but I could still tell that she was a different person. She was not her usual self. Yeah. And I think, you know, we see that in ourselves, you know, when we're in relationships that have complications or that aren't going well, we may appear a different way. We may right. act a different way because we're feeling a certain way. Um, so it's going to be very challenging to, and this is why it's so hard to prevent suicide. Exactly. Because you never know. There's a fine line there. And <clears throat> pardon me. And oftentimes folks who are really, um, I don't want to say dead set because that's a, that's a horrible pun unintended. Mm-hmm. But when people are adamant about not living or to mm-hmm. say certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in saying that, we also know that when people start doing things like giving things away, talking about their will, talking about um, when they passed away, um, mm-hmm. those are considered in certain scenarios, those are considered red flags. Correct. Um, and, and then, I'm you know, Mm-hmm. And and I want to I want to bust a myth here because people yes. have this misunderstanding that if someone is showing you that they need help that they don't really want to kill themselves, like they'll say, "Oh, she's telling us or he's telling us, so he really don't want to die. He ain't gonna kill himself." That is a myth. Do that is please, people, myth. do not buy into that. That is um, a terrible folks, myth. Yes, folks are not showing you that they're sad or that they're hopeless or helpless because they're doing it just for seeking attention. They're doing it because they're suffering from a depressive disorder or whatever type it may be. Maybe it's associated with major depression or bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. whatever it is, um, or just simple stress. Sometimes when the world comes crashing down on you, it's a lot to try to, to grin and bear. It is definitely um, that. Yes, I agree with everything that you're saying. Absolutely, and Ms. Dr. Thomas. And Ms. Rendell, I, I want to ask if this is not prying too much because this is for the parents. This mm-hmm. next question is for the parents who may have a child um, who they suspect may have had mental health challenges, um, a child that maybe they're going through the same situation right now where their child is in a relationship that's abusive or that is challenging in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did Kayla growing up um, in high school as a young adult in her early 20s that you're aware of, did she have any uh, challenges with feeling sadness or having anxiety? I want to say the answer is no, because no, you said that no. she was always exactly. a happy-go-lucky kid. And I'm so glad that you asked that. And let me just step back, okay? There's two components here. Like I said, there there are people that are severely depressed on a daily basis. So that's more easier to um, identify. Mm -hmm. That's easier. That's easy. If it was that easy, there's two components. There's the person that 
you know, shows you on a daily basis that they're down, they're depressed, they don't want to bathe, they don't want to get up, they, you know, they have no energy. So that's that component. And then you have the component of a person like my daughter and Chesley Chris. On the outside, they both look like they had it all going on. But on the inside, I don't, you know, like I said, I can only speak for my daughter. My daughter was fine uh, until that. Nikayla was like, I have three children. And to me, Kayla was the strongest one. Or, or so I thought, you know, I think that when you love someone or you're in a relationship, that takes on a whole nother gambit, if you will. It's like you're trying to be the best person that you can be. And you're giving this person everything that you have, but yet, and, and, and it's just like us. I mean, if you've ever been in love, if, if somebody's always shutting you down when, you, when you're loving them, you know, you'll feel some type of way. You'll feel like a failure, but you and I would just get away from it. We're mature enough and we have those experiences to help us, you know, decide that, hey, this isn't good. So it doesn't make me feel good. It isn't good. So I'm going to leave. However, someone younger may not have that fortitude to do those things. Um, my daughter has never been, you know, a, a weak person. I mean, she's always been bubbly. But for the, for the parents, and let me just go back, like mm -hmm. you said, as a parent, as a present parent, because you got to be present, uh, you know, even if you are providing, and again, I just want to say this in our community, the Black community, most of the time, it is a single family home. And most of the time, it's headed by the mother. So when it's headed by a female that's trying to just deal with every single thing, her career, her children, putting food on the table, just making sure that the, the homework is done, that's a lot of pressure within itself. So, you know, making sure that, and, and what I said before, we as parents, hey, we have to wear many hats. And some of those hats include showing up for our kids on a daily basis, taking maybe an hour, excuse me, out of our days just to sit with our kids. Because even in school, these kids are facing being bullied. The internet, you know, it's all about, you know, how many likes you get on the internet. COVID has put a spin on all of us, you know, just being depressed. Um, COVID has put something on these children that they weren't ready for, the isolation, not being around their friends. So, you know, and let's go back to social media. Social media is a platform where everything, for us, we know it's entertainment. But for our kids, they don't know that. And for the younger people, they don't know that. They're putting their pictures up. They want likes. And they're being bullied. They're being told if they don't get a like, they feel like, hey, something's wrong with me. So all of these things, all of these layers, um, you know, are things that we have to really, really, you know, peel back and say, hey, all of our children have different personalities. Let me see, you know, if my child is feeling some type of way. And the only way to know that is not just talking because they're not going to tell us everything. They may tell their friends, their peers, things that they will never tell their parents. But as parents, we have to make sure that we are in tune with our kids. Even if they're not saying anything, we should know, you know, or try to know because we, we you know, we do our very best. 
but we should really, really try to know if there's something, if there's a change in our children's personalities. So again, with my situation with my daughter, um, you know, like I said, prior to this, Kayla was, you, you know, she was just like, you know, any anybody else. She was she was a happy person, um, you know. And after that, just like I said, if somebody continuously makes you feel like there's something wrong with you or you're not doing, you know, your best. It could be a teacher, like, you know, telling a kid, all of these things, everyone is not as strong, but for every statistic say, for every negative comment, it takes 21 good ones to circumvent, to wash out, if you will, that bad comment. So if it takes 21 good comments to wash out one bad comment, and most of the time, we're always hearing what we aren't instead of hearing what we are. And so mm -hmm. and so that alone lets you know that it's so important to pour in because we don't know what our children are dealing with outside of the house. It could be a teacher telling them some negative things. It could be, you know, their peers. But when they come home, that's where, you know, my mom always says that charity you know, begins in the household. So we have to take back our families and we have to pour, we, we pour into our coworkers. We're always saying thank you to them and please to them, but we need to do that in the household. And that's something that we all are guilty of from time to time, because we just feel like, oh, well, it's our kids, you know, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. You're, we're always telling our kids what we need them to do. Yeah, so they're yeah. not used to the love language of, what can I do for you? Like, mm -hmm. what do you need from me? So we need to switch our love language for our children to say to them, hey, it's okay if you're not feeling okay. We need to give them yeah. a safe place to want to talk to us. Absolutely. Yeah, we got to get back to dinner together with the family. Uh, you know, all of the family, even if it's a single-headed household, Correct. that single parent bringing the children to dinner maybe Absolutely. inviting over the grandparent or the aunts and the uncles. We got to get back to those dinners and they don't have to just be on Sundays. No, but besides, yes. yes. And besides having that conversation over dinner, just getting into and learning how to interact with our children, how to exactly. communicate effectively exactly. and not just about what they should be doing around the house, but really, really delving into what's happening in their lives and wanting to hear about what's going on in their lives. Some parents, yeah, some parents will do things like go through their children's phones and their email accounts and their social media unbeknownst to the child. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that can be helpful. However, have conversations with your kids. You'll be surprised what your children will be transparent about and will openly tell you without you having to snoop exactly. to find the information. And children, so I, go ahead, Dr. Thomas, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Ms. Randall, okay, show children, them. And children, let me say this, okay? Um, in our community, and, and, and I can only speak about what I know, but in our community, we are so um, busy with, like I said, we're telling people what to do all the time, especially our kids. We never ask them just something simple about how was your day? I mean, you would ask your, your boyfriend, especially if you get into a new relationship, you're checking all the boxes. 
every single day you're checking those boxes. But the most important person, persons to me are my children. So, you know, the same courtesies that I extend to anyone else, I need to extend that to my kids first. And so I'm saying, like I said, because again, and people that is listening to this will say, well, if you did all of that, how come she did this? And that's a, an honest question. Again, Nikayla was not the type of person that was isolated. My daughter was bubbly daily. If I had the type of child to commit suicide, that showed daily that they were depressed, suppressed, oppressed, then I, but again, I was a present parent. And even my message is, even to the present parents, it may appear that your children are okay. I'm saying that we need to change our love language to our children and make sure that we are communicating daily with them, checking on them. You know, I um, I started a community chat with my other two daughters. Daily we check in. And, I, and my children were in my home. So daily, I didn't say, hey, you know, I want you to do this, 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 this. And Nikayla was 28 when she got into this relationship. So again, I was not dealing with a child that was in my home on a daily basis when she was dating this person. I'm talking about their lives prior. But even at, as an adult, I had a great relationship with my kids. We would go out to dinner, the three of us once a month. So I always tried to keep in touch and I would always send them affirmations on a daily basis. I love you, you know, um, you know, let's get together. Let's go get our nails done, our feet done. So even those things, no matter what it is, we have to just try to change our love language, no matter what your child age is, we need to be more present in their lives instead of just telling them about the disappointments. We need to pour into them about their accomplishments, whatever that may look like. If, if, if they got up and, and, and found a job or if they went back to school and got a GED after not finishing high school, anything that we can do to just pour into them, that's my message and when i go out to the schools and, and 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 wherever i go to to speak to my audiences that's what i'm saying but again like i said before dr thomas when i talked mm -hmm. to, um, on the radio station again um when i go out to speak to the youth i get a lot of adults that you know want to sit in my chat rooms and so you know again the community is suffering in silence because depression is taboo. Anxiety, anything to do with mental illness is so taboo to speak up and say, hey, you know, and let me just tell you this, ironically, ironically, and this is the truth. I was uh, at a, um, a venue last night and I was just sitting there. We were watching the game and, and everything. And so we, I went to a comedy show and people approached me. It was so weird. This young lady, her name is Crystal, won't give a last uh -huh. name, but she uh -huh. sat next to me and she said, it's something about you. And I, and, and I was with my gentleman friend and, and I was like, okay, you know, hey, what's up? You know, like, okay. And she just said, you're, you're beautiful, your, your, your spirit, whatever. And she began to, and we were, we were at a, you know, we were having drinks, we were out. And so she said to me, I lost my daughter. 
I was like, get out of here. Seriously. Wow. I was like, get out of here. And I promise you, which I'm going, and I have um, referred her out to you, but we'll talk about that on the back end. I said, mm-hmm. get out of here. So my, my gentleman friend, he got up and he moved away so we could talk because he knew. And so yeah. I said, when did you lose your daughter? She said, a year ago. I was like, are you serious? And she said, yes. I, and I took out a business card and she says, oh my God, Kyla Cairns. She says, do you know her grandmother's name is Kyla? So, oh my gosh. Wow. Those things that let me know, Dr. Thomas, and you see how passionate I'm getting about yeah. it. Because this yes. calling that God put on my life, wherever I go, and my daughter's nickname was um, Solo because of Lopez. And she's always telling me, mama, I always, you know, I'm, I'm so low. I'm always, you know, doing my own thing. So her daughter's nickname is, guess what? Solo. Oh, my gosh. So now, Ms. Randell, did, did she lose her daughter last year to suicide as well? No. And this is the thing. But she lost mm-hmm. her daughter. So when I began to tell her yeah. my story, she's like, you know, I need to book you. This is what I'm saying. It just comes to me. And she, wait, let me just step back. She's in the beginning stages of her grief. She's so angry. And I told her she is so angry, Dr. Thomas. And I mean, she's so bitter. She's angry because her daughter died in COVID. And her daughter was only 23 years old. And her daughter is gorgeous. So we shared pictures. We sat there. I hugged her. I encouraged her. She told me she hates God. And she, now watch this. She told me she wants to commit suicide. I said, you're not going to do that. And I'm so glad I said, this is a divine appointment. Um, You know, I have invited her into my, um, into my room that I have. It's a survivor's room. I do a night where I talk about suicide in my survivor's room. And I do a night when I talk to all survivors of, of, if you've lost a loved one, but anyone is, is welcome in the room. And again, this is something that I was called to do. Like I said, this is not an assignment that I wanted, but this is a, an assignment that God gave me. And, and I said to, to him, help me get through my pain. And me, yes. talking to you, me talking to Crystal, me talking to the kids, me talking to anybody, because my message is you're not alone. You're not yes. alone. And she said, she said to me, she said, um, you know, I have friends, but they don't understand. I said, don't expect them to. And don't be angry because they don't. Because they can only give you what they have. You yeah. know, you yeah. know. And so again, even with this, my daughter will live long after I'm gone. Because in me meeting her, I have, I have another client. In me meeting these people, even her husband told me he needs grief counseling. And I told him, definitely. But I said to him, and I told her respectfully, that I, I will counsel your husband separate from you. Because there's things like she was saying, oh, he needs to be strong. I said, no. It's a myth that men, and this is, again, why people commit suicide. Because society tells us that this person is supposed to behave this way. And this person is supposed to behave that way. And that is not true. Those are all exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking about that at the church where I presented 
um, yesterday morning about men and what the stereotypes about men state that they can't express emotions, can't be sad, that they have to be strong all the time. So that's a a topic for another day. But before we, (laughs) before we get out of here, I want you to share your contact information so people know how they can join you in your survivor's room. Um, If you're listening and you're someone who has considered uh, taking your own life, if you feel like you have nothing left to live for, please give Diane Randell a chance to help you to understand that you have everything to live for. Your depression is, we say depression is a great mimicker. It will make us believe any and everything And it's all the bad and the negative things about ourselves and about our situation. But you hear how how passionate Ms. Rendell is about her situation and this divine um, assignment that the higher power that the Lord has given to her to help save lives and save souls. So if you are someone who is uh, 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 considering suicide, if you've attempted in the past, if you... Um, sometimes you have thoughts about it. You start to feel helpless or hopeless. Please reach out to Ms. Diane Randell. She has her organization, her nonprofit. It is Calicare's Suicide Prevention Corporation. I want you guys to get the help that you need. And I want everyone to feel happy. I want people to feel content in life because it's such an achievable goal. Ms. Randell, go ahead and give everyone your information. Absolutely. Uh, my the way you can reach out to me let me start by my phone number it is 305-842-3222 my um website is c-a-l-a-c-a-r-e-s suicide s-u-i-c-i-d-e prevention p-r-e-v-e-n-t-i-o-n dot org Uh, I want you guys to understand that we have a suicide room, you know, a community room that I want you guys to just feel free to join us. Um, When you visit the website, there's a calendar with the dates in which you can join us. And and I look forward to, to hearing from each and every one of you, each and every one of you, please give me a call. I would just like to, I would like for us to pour into each other, make positive deposits into each other's lives. Thank you so much, Dr. Thomas, for having me. And I am just enthralled with the possibilities of what we can do to help our community battle mental health. uh, Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story and being so open and transparent. I know that several people will receive healing from this, just from hearing this and from those who are still conflicted, you can receive healing either uh, from reaching out to Ms. Randell and or reaching out to my office. We can share our resources with you as well and other resources in the community, but just know that you have somewhere to go. You have someone to talk to. There are resources. There is something for you to help bring you back, to help you reset and to help you to live and want to want to live and to love life all over again. So thank you again, Ms. Randell. I I am so grateful to you for sharing your story. I know how much of a challenge it is for us to talk about 
a loved one who leaves here in an untimely manner and also the manner in which Kayla, Kayla left here can also be something very complicated to talk about. But as you said earlier, your healing comes from being able to talk about this and share it with others. It does, absolutely. Thank you so much again for having me. And I look forward to talking to you real soon. Absolutely, guys. So listen, next week, there will be another wonderful brain love topic, as you guys know. So be sure to tune in again next Sunday night at eight o'clock. What's up, guys? So I just want to remind you about the ways you can follow me. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm Dr. Delvina at Dr. D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A. I no longer have a Dr. Delvina Twitter or a Dr. Delvina Facebook professional page. Both of those were unpublished. Um, I won't get into the details of that, but um, instead of following Dr. Delvina on Twitter, follow the office Twitter page, which is, which is DRT. Brain Love, D-R-T, Brain Love, B-R-A-I-N-L-O-V-E, D-R-T as in Dr. T, D-R-T. And on Facebook, you can follow the Brain Love podcast. And of course, if you are not following me on Instagram, follow me at Dr. Delvina. And my website is Dr. Delvina, Dr. Shorten, D-R, and then Delvina, D as in Delta, E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A dot Help, H-E-L-P, as in help me, help me, Dr. Delvina. And um, tell your friends, tell everybody about the Brain Love Podcast. Please subscribe. Subscribe either on Pandora, on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. If you're on Anchor, subscribe on Anchor. Show me some love, y'all. Show me some love. That's right. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes. Learn from them and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love.